you would um, turn in your Bibles with me to John 4. We're going to be starting at verse 27 and reading through 42. So John 4, 27 through 42. Just then, his disciples came back. They marveled that he was talking with a woman, but nobody said, What do you seek? Or, Why are you talking with her? So the woman left her water jar and went away into town and said to the people, Come, see a man who told me all that I ever did. Can this be the Christ? They went out of the town and were coming to him. Meanwhile, the disciples were urging him, saying, Rabbi, eat. But he said to them, I have food to eat that you do not know about. So the disciples said to one another, Has anyone brought him something to eat? Jesus said to them, My food is to do the will of him who sent me and to accomplish his work. Do you not say there are yet four months, then comes the harvest? Look, I tell you, lift up your eyes and see that the fields are white for harvest. Already the one who reaps is receiving wages and gathering fruit for eternal life, so that the sower and reaper may rejoice together. For here the saying holds true, one sows and another reaps. I sent you to reap that for which you did not labor. Others have labored, and you have entered into their labor. Many Samaritans from that town believed in him because of the woman's testimony. He told me all that I ever did. So when the Samaritans came to him, they asked him to stay with them, and he stayed there two days. And many more believed because of his word. They said to the woman, It is no longer because of what you said that we believe, for we have heard for ourselves, and we know that this is indeed the Savior of the world. Am I on? Yes. Amen. Thank you, Gypsy. Um, before we get into the sermon, I do want to uh, update you a little bit about um, the, uh, the roof and the HVAC units. So we were uh, all prepared to send out a letter this week with the details and financing. We, we've applied for our loan for that. Um, and then Thursday, uh, Bill Lovell walked into my office. Uh, Bill's been really helping us so much uh, with dealing with the contractors and all that. And uh, he said that, that he got a, a message from uh, our roofer, from Anderson Roofing, that the city um, is, uh, we're stalled in the permit process because the city wants us to uh, replace our screen wall. If you don't know what a screen wall is, that doesn't matter. Um, I would, to be honest, I don't know what it is. <laughs> um, so to replace our screen wall, and uh, our roofer doesn't think it's necessary, some others don't think it's necessary. So we got an informal verbal from the city a couple months ago saying, yeah, you don't need that. And uh, the difference is about $40,000, so it's a great thing if we don't need that. And it, it alleviates a lot of weight on our roof as well. Uh, well, now the city uh, is saying, uh, you need that. So our roofers meeting with them, uh, hopefully this week, um, to, to come and, and look and, uh, and evaluate that. So I just want to ask you to pray for that. And um, as I'm praying, I, 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 I know that, that God has deep pockets, right? It, it's not like, man, if, if we have to do this wall, we're toast, right? God has deep pockets. It's, it's not that at all. I'm just praying that God will provide. And I, and I don't know if, if he's going to provide by us not having to have that wall, or if he's going to provide and saying, hey, you're going to have to trust me 
for another 40K that, that you didn't think uh, you were going to need. So if you'd just be praying for that, and, uh, and hopefully we'll have all the details out really, really soon. But let's, let's get into, uh, into our passage here. Thank you, Gypsy, again for reading that. We uh, took two weeks to go through the account of uh, the woman, the Samaritan woman at the well with Jesus and their conversation. And then today, um, we, uh, we, we wrap up the, the whole story. And it's, it's interesting. We've got bookends with, um, with what's going on with the Samaritan woman. And then she, she goes and talks to the people of her town. Um, we get that on both ends. And then in the middle is, is Jesus teaching his disciples, calling his disciples into what they're here to do, which is to reap a harvest, for, to gather fruit of eternal life, for, for souls to come, to, to put their, their, their trust in to Jesus. So we're going to skip verse 27. We'll come back to that later, but verse 28. Um, so the woman left her, her water jar and went into the town and said to the people. So she leaves her water jar, and, and I can't help but think, and many commentators think, there's, there's, there's a lot of symbolism here, right? She just had a conversation with Jesus about, about water and, and how coming to this well, it might meet your thirst, but you need to drink it over and over again. And, and he contrasts that with, with eternal life, and at some point, or at, sorry, living water. And at some point she realizes, wait, he's not just talking about water here. And she says, I, I want that water. I want what you're talking about. He says, this water, it's the Holy Spirit in you, and it's like this spring that comes, and it continuously meets your thirst, continuously satisfies. So, so, so she has this conversation with Jesus. She says in verse 25, um, she says, I know the Messiah is coming. When he comes, he'll tell us all things. And Jesus says, I who speak to you am he. So she hears that. Right? She, she, she's just talked to this man that, that's, that's looked into the deepest, most sinful part of her life that, that she's been clinging to, trying to find life. She hears that. She ditches her water jar and takes off to the town. Says, uh, um, she said, went to the town, said to the people, come and see a man who told me all that I ever did. Right? So in this account, that morning, she was doing everything she could to avoid people. Right? She's coming to the well the middle of the day when it's hot because she doesn't want to be around the people of her town. Right? She, she's been married five times. She's living with a man now who's not her husband. There's, there's shame. She's gossiped about people. I'm sure there's a lot of people that don't like her. She doesn't, she doesn't want to be around people. And then she encounters Jesus, who knows everything about her. And now she can't wait to go tell people. She can't wait to tell people about this man, about this, this encounter that she just had. She goes and she, she tells him, come and see a man who told me everything I ever did. Now, Jesus obviously didn't walk through and say, when you were nine years old, you did this, and last week you did that. No, what she's saying is, he saw right into me. He, he, he knows. He knows my deepest sin. He knows how I've been trying to get satisfaction, fulfillment in this life and how, how short I come up every single time. It reminds me of, of Hebrews 4.13. I love, I love this verse. It says, And no creature is hidden from his sight, but all are naked and exposed to the eyes of him to whom we must give account. We can hide um, we, we can fool people. You can fool coworkers, neighbors. To some degree, 
you can even fool people that you live with, family members, if you're married, your spouse. I mean, there's some things that, that you still can hide. But it says, before Jesus, you can't hide anything. Right? There's nothing, nothing that you can hide at all. You're, you're, you're exposed before his eyes. And, and who are you exposed to? This is the one that we're going to have to give an account to. But that, that's who we're exposed before and what's interesting is this woman says, he saw into me, he saw everything, and there's a total freedom here, right? Like that is wild, that, that she's exposed to God, and, and, and there's freedom in that, because we believe that I need to hide my stuff, right? We think it's better for people to not know about those nooks and crannies, right? That, that sin that we don't want anybody to know about. And yet the Bible tells a very different story. So she goes, and she, she testifies to her experience, to what Jesus has done. And, and as readers, if you know Christ, we've got to stop here and just ask, am I doing that? Or am, I, am I regularly talking about what God has done? What, what, what he did this week in my life, how he's met me, how he's, he's given me, me peace when it doesn't make sense. I got to have coffee with, with someone from our church the other day, and, and he told me about um, this time recently where it was the anniversary of something really hard, and, and he told me the, the, the fear that was like coming as the day approached, and, and then the, the day was there, and the peace that God gave him, right? Peace that, that doesn't make any rational sense, Right, it's a, it was a day that should have been hard and horrible. And, and yet my friends testifying to me like, no, man, God met me and that he gave me so much peace. And he was, he was even just kind of laughing because it just felt crazy that, that God would do that. Like, we've got to be telling each other. We've got we to say, hey, God met me in this. Like, this week he did this. We've got to be doing that with other Christians. We've got to be doing that with people that don't know Jesus too. Right? Like, if you know Jesus, he, he's, he's met you in your stuff in your life. He, he's, he's provided for you. You've got to be ready to, to tell those things about who God is, how he shaped you, how he's providentially provided for you. We've got to be ready to tell. And, and this woman does it, right? Like all she's had is, is a little conversation, I mean huge conversation, with, with Jesus. And what does she do? She takes off to go tell people. She, she really doesn't know much at all. And I think, I think that's a barrier for a lot of Christians I think a lot of people don't share the gospel, don't tell other people about Christ because you just feel like, man, I just don't know that much. Like Andrew comes up here and he says, Moody Bible Institute, Multnomah Bible College. Like, I've never been to Bible college. I've been to a Bible study. Man, two things to say about that. If you, if that's what holds you back, the first thing is trust God. Trust that, that God is in you. The Holy Spirit resides in you. If you're a believer, scripture makes that clear. Holy Spirit's in you ready to work in you and through you. He'll give you words. He'll give you insight and questions to ask. Like, God will, will work in you. Trust him in that. And the second thing is, if you, if you feel like you don't know enough, then go learn. <laughs> right? Like, you don't know enough? Go learn what you need to know so you could share the gospel. In the back, we have this, this little pamphlet. It's called, What is the Gospel? It's a tract. Um, I'd encourage each household, take one of these home. They're, they're in the back in the info booth. And, and it breaks down what, what someone needs to know about the gospel. It's really condensed. And it says um, four, four different things. Um, who has made you? And to whom are we, are we accountable? Two, what is our problem? Three, what is God's solution to our problem? Four, 
how can I be included in that solution? People need to know that we're accountable to God, the creator of all things. He made us right. We were supposed to be in relationship with him. We were in perfect relationship with him. Sin entered, and it broke that relationship. And because of sin, man, we're in trouble, right? We're called children of wrath. We, we, we sit in judgment, condemned. We owe life because of our sin. And the solution is, well, Jesus came, fully God, fully man, lived a life that we could not live, right? Sinless life, perfect life. He goes to the cross, dies the death that we deserve. He's our substitution. He rises from the dead three days later, defeats the grave, conquers sin and death. Right, so that we could have eternal life if we put our faith in him. We need to be ready to share that. So if, if, if one of your reasons for not sharing the gospel is you don't know enough, then go learn. Get this, read it over and over again. Right? And then I'm going to ask you to do something really crazy. I want you to practice. I want you to get another, get another Christian and say, hey, I feel really dumb about this. I need to practice sharing the gospel. Right? I need to because I, I I'm so nervous. And I don't know if I know the right thing, so would you help me with that? It's going to be really, really humbling. It's going to stink in some ways, right? It, getting the courage up, too, is going to stink. They're going to be really nice with you, right? You have a nice Christian friend, I hope, not a jerk. Um, they're they're going to give you feedback, right? They're going to say, yeah, man, it was so great when you said that thing. That way I'd never think to say that. That was awesome. And, and they're going to say, you know what? I get what you mean when you say that because I've been in church forever, too, but I don't think your non-Christian friend has a clue what that word means, right? They're going to give you good feedback so, so that you can go and share the gospel like, like this woman. And, and what this woman does is, it's normal. Right? I think probably a lot of us, maybe, maybe almost all of us in the room, when you met Jesus, you, you wanted to tell people right away. Because you went from, from being dead in sin to having life in Christ. And it was absolutely incredible how God changed you. You went from darkness to light. Right? You, you, went from, you went from this old life to being a brand new creation. And this, <laughs> this happens. I didn't think I was going to cry about this one. Um, you, you, you were changed, and you just want to tell people. I know it's what happened in my life. Right? I met God when I was a teenager, and, and while I was totally insecure still and cared what people thought about me at school, in that area, I didn't care. And God gave me a boldness right? that, man, I wasn't just like, hoping opportunities would come up. I was manufacturing opportunities. I probably, I'm sure I made tons of mistakes in sharing the gospel, but God just stirred this up in me, and I've seen this in person after person. Matt Eldridge, he, he met Jesus that night. He goes home, tells his mom, she was already a believer, but he just, he tells his mom everything, and then they go, and they, they, they pray together. He takes off and drives to his best friend's house at like uh, midnight or something like that, because he just had to tell him what God had done, right? And then he did this. Matt did this with friend after friend. There's one friend, had a birthday party, and, and Matt wrote him a letter, and, and, and just wanted to tell him, like, man, this is what God's done in me. And I want that for you, man. It's available to you. And, and this guy, Chris, accepted Christ later. I don't remember how much later, but, but Chris knows Jesus. He married a woman that knows Jesus. Like, man, we were made to do this. This happens because it's part of the Christian's DNA. We're supposed to. Like, this is how God has, has created us. So the woman, she says, man, can this be the Christ? She's had this crazy experience. It's exciting. I'm sure it's also confusing. And she kind of halfway says, I think this is Jesus. Like he said, he said he's the Messiah. I think it's true. Right? She's, she's telling the people this. Verse 30 says, they went out of the town and were coming to him. 
verse 27. Just then his disciples came back. Right, and this, this obviously happened before what I just said, but I'm grouping here. Uh, this, uh, this just happened, um, or just then, as the disciples came back, and they marveled that he was talking with a woman. I don't want to spend too much time on this, but they were blown away that he's talking with a woman. They're astonished that, that, that Jesus is talking with, with a woman, not only a woman, but a Samaritan woman. Um, we know that things were different back then. Like, like we, we talk about sexism today. We know it was worse back then. Um, the more I, I read about it this week, I've just been blown away um, by even rabbis. Like rabbis were, were, were told, like it was common, like, hey, don't waste your time talking to women. Like women are inferior to you. Don't waste your time. Even your wife, like don't use that many words with, with women, right? Um, and it, I mean, it is kind of funny, but, but it's also like, what? How, how can that be? So what Jesus does here is, uh, it, it's, it's unheard of. It, it, it's incredible. And of course, like, Jesus goes to the outcast people, right? If you, if you weren't here to hear about the Samaritans, like, the Jews hated the Samaritans. They thought they, thought they were they're half-breeds. They, they could not stand them. And, and here, Jesus goes to the outcast people, but he doesn't just go to the outcast people. He goes to the outcast woman of the outcast people. And he's demonstrating the gospel's for everybody. Anybody who will respond. Eternal life is for them. So, the disciples, verse 31. It says, meanwhile, the disciples were urging him, saying, Rabbi, eat. Right? Jesus sent them away to go get food, partially so he could talk with this woman, but also they needed food to eat. So they, they come and say, Rabbi, eat. It makes sense. You sent us away to get food. Here's your food. And Jesus, instead of taking the food, right, which I'm sure he was hungry for, he, he uses this opportunity. He, he flips it on its head and he says, I'm going to use this to teach you something. He said to them, I have food to eat that you do not know about. What? The disciples look at each other. They say to one another, someone bring him food that we don't know about? Like, did that woman have a sandwich? What is he talking about? And of course, Jesus isn't talking about food, right? The disciples think he's talking about food, which makes sense. Right? Just like Jesus with Nicodemus, he wasn't talking about physically being born again. Like with the woman, he wasn't talking about literal physical water. So he uses food now to talk about something totally different. They're confused. Jesus says to them, my food is to do the will of him who sent me and to accomplish his work. My food is to do the will of him who sent me and to accomplish his work. I'm so glad this is written down for us because if I was a disciple and I had to sit there and hear that, I would be so confused. There was a guy I knew in college that I could never tell if what he was saying was brilliant or really not brilliant. Like, it was so confusing, this guy. Um, but Jesus, obviously, what he's saying is absolutely brilliant. And, and, and yet, it, it, it's confusing. He says, my food, the, the thing that, that I hunger for, my, my source of energy, my, my sustenance, the thing that, that gives me strength is to do the will of him who sent me and to accomplish his work. Like you, you hunger for whatever, salmon or steak or salad or Taco Bell, I don't know. You, you hunger for this. And Jesus says, this is what I hunger for. This is, this is what I hunger for. This is, this is what I want to eat. This is, this is what gives me energy is to do the will of sent me. Well, what, what does he need energy for? He needs energy to do God's will. So what does he say? 
he gives him the energy to do God's will. It's to do God's will. Like it's this weird, like self-sustaining thing that, that Jesus has going on. Fortunately, John makes it pretty clear in, in, in other places um, what God's will is. Uh, John twelve forty nine. You can turn there if you want. Uh, forty nine and fifty. Jesus says, "For I have not spoken on my own authority, but the Father who sent me has Himself given me a commandment: what to say and what to speak." And I know that his commandment is eternal life. He's told me what to say, what to speak. It's eternal life. John 6, 39 says, And this is the will of him who sent me, that I should lose nothing of all that he's given me, but raise it up on the last day. God's will is that I don't lose anybody, but I raise him up. I raise him up on the last day. I give them eternal life, everlasting life. So Jesus says, My my food is to do the will of him who sent me to accomplish his work to give life. And, and why can Jesus give life? Because he is life. John 14, 6. Says, but Jesus says, I'm the way, I'm the truth, I'm the life. No one comes to the Father but through me. Right? Jesus can give life because he is life. He has life. Uh, John 5, uh, 26. For as the Father has life in himself, so he has granted the Son also to have life in himself. Jesus gives life because he, he, he has life. First John 5.20 says, And we know that the Son of God has come and has given us understanding so that we may know him who is true. And we are in him who is true, in his Son, Jesus Christ. He is the true God and eternal life. Jesus is life. So he says, think about the food and then he, he takes another turn. He uses a different example with the harvest. Verse 35, he says, Do you not say there are yet four months and then comes the harvest? He says, You know, it, it, the crop's growing right now. It's not time to harvest yet, but four months down the road, it, it will be time to harvest. You know how it works in nature. He says, Look, I tell you, lift up your eyes and see that the fields are white for harvest. I'm telling you, this is how you've seen it, but I'm telling you right now is the time for harvest. And obviously Jesus is talking about a whole different kind of harvest. He says in verse 36, already the one who reaps is receiving wages. Well, why does someone get paid? You get paid when you've done work, right? Like very rarely that you get paid before you do work. I have found that that's a way for a person to not do work is if you pay them before they've done it, right? So Jesus says, the reaper's getting paid. That means he's been working already. And, and what's he doing? He's gathering fruit for eternal life. This is the harvest. It's souls. It's, it's, it's people placing their trust in, into Jesus and receiving life. And it says, so that the sower and the reaper can rejoice together. Right? For here, the saying holds true, one sows and another reaps, right? Agriculture is hard work. I'm grateful that I'm a pastor and not a farmer, right? I would not be a good farmer. I have a, I have a little plot of land, you know, that our house takes up most of, of that plot, and I, um, I love, I love yard work. In fact, that's like, that's my marker for when I know I became an adult. It's like suddenly I love gardening, right? Like how did that happen? Teenage Greg would want to beat up 38-year-old Greg, because that's so dumb to teenage Greg. But uh, I love it, and particularly, I love plants that give me food, right? I have 12 blueberry bushes. I love all of them, right? 
Costco every year, they break out new blueberry bushes. And I tell myself, you don't have any more, man. 12 is enough, right? But, but I have to like zip through that area for like three months so I don't buy more. I have raspberry plants. I love raspberries. They haven't done as well as I want them to, but I moved some. I think they're going to do better this year. Um, I have a lime tree. I'm so excited. I looked yesterday at my lime tree, and this is all sincere. I looked at my lime tree. There's like seven flowers, right? So I'm hoping for seven limes. I had, I had a, a lemon tree for 12 years. I named it Vern. <laughs> Vern and Goose is his full name. And uh, Vern died last year, but before Vern died, I harvested 220 lemons, and I made a lot of lemonade. It was awesome. So anyway, so I get excited, right? Obviously, I get excited. Like in the winter, I go and I prune my blueberry bushes so, so they'll be even more fruitful, right? And, and February 15th every year is when I, uh, I, I put the food down. What was the word? Fertilize, thank you. Fertilize uh, my blueberry bushes, right? And then, and then in the winter, there's that point where, where there's the buds. I'm like, Right? And then it turns into a flower right now, and the bees are doing their thing. And then this summer, our family, we're going to eat blueberries. And, and it is, man, I get happy, right? The, it, so much more so the real farmer, right? The, the, the sower, the reaper. There's a rejoicing. It's hard work, the sowing, the, the reaping. But man, they rejoice when the harvest comes. That's what they've been working for. Uh, Amos 9.13 one of the prophets gives uh, this, God gives this picture of the future, the, the, the kingdom of God. And it says, Behold, the days are coming, declares the Lord, when the plowman shall overtake the reaper. The plowman, the, the one sowing, like he's, he's plowing the ground, sowing the seed. The, the plowman will overtake the, the reaper, the one who's harvesting, the, the treader of grapes, right? The one that's stomping out the grapes, making the wine, right? He's, he's already picked them. Uh, the treader of grapes will take over him who sows the seed. There's this picture of this doesn't work like the natural way the harvest works, like the, that a time is coming that's going to be different. Sower and reaper are bumping into each other trying to get their work done because the sowing's happening, the reaping's happening, and it's crazy. It says the, the mountains will just drip with, with sweet wine. Like there's so much abundance of this fruit in what God is going to do that, that there's just going to be dripping of wine. The hills are going to flow with wine. This picture isn't rational. It's not natural. And Jesus, Jesus said, you know, harvesting works this way. Well, the harvest I'm talking about works totally differently. There's sowing and reaping that, that, that's going on at the same time. And, and the sower and the reaper will rejoice together. Jesus, his, his disciples the very day they're going to be a part of, of reaping that's happening, right? Jesus is giving them like this evangelism lecture right now. And, and what they don't know is on the way are coming the Samaritans and it's like the lab after the lecture. They're going to see what happens. We don't know exactly how they participate in what happens. John doesn't give us a, a, whole, a whole lot there. But man, Jesus is telling them and, and, and this picture of agriculture, we see like, we don't know exactly what God's doing. We don't know exactly how God is at work. Like, you plant a seed, you do what you're supposed to do, but you don't really know what's going on until that plant comes up. And we have no idea much of what God's doing. Um, I was talking to a, a mom the other day of an adult child who, 
isn't following Jesus or at best is kind of kind of trying to follow Jesus and, and, and then the other foot is is in the world doing their own thing and and uh, anyway her kid was was moving away to another city and she was nervous she, she felt like like she wasn't going to have that that same influence over him I, I just said to her you've no idea who God has in, in that town you've no idea who's going to be sitting next to him in that cubicle you don't know whose neighbors are going to be you have no idea who God is providentially putting in place for your boy to hear the gospel, to hopefully respond to Jesus. Several years ago, um, we had a student that, um, long story short, her, her family at one point um, was going to a church, uh, but then the family kind of blew up, and, and church, Jesus, were pretty much out of the picture. And, and yet God, through circumstances, led her to our youth group, and she was, she was here at least all of high school, maybe part of middle school too, I don't exactly remember. At some point, um, she's responding to, to, to Jesus. I mean, there, there's fruit for sure, and one day, she's probably maybe a junior in high school, we get a call in the office from her aunt, and we didn't know her aunt. Aunt lived down in California, and she was just thanking us. She told us she's been praying for, for this girl and her sisters for years praying that, that, that she would meet some Christians, that, that she would have a church, and, and it was this moment of sower and reaper re- rejoicing together um, at, at what God was doing. Let's jump into the, the response to the Samaritans, verse 39. <clears throat> Many Samaritans from that town believed in him because of the woman's testimony. He told me all that I ever did. Sorry, I forgot one thing. I forgot to read verse 38 said, I sent you to reap, right? He sent the disciples. They were going to reap in this harvest. They were going to be a part of the harvest. He sent us to do that too. Like it's no, no different for us. We were part of that same call. And he says to them, he says, uh, that for which you did not labor. Others have labored. You have entered into their labor, right? The prophets, probably John the Baptist, they, they've done the work and you're going to enter into that. Even in, in this account, Jesus he, he's labored. He's sown the seed. The woman, the Samaritan woman, has sown the seed. She's told, and, and they're about to be a part uh, of that harvest uh, of those people. So now back to 39. Many Samaritans from that town believed in him because of the woman's testimony. He told me all that I ever did. And so she goes, she tells them, they, a lot of them believe. Verse 40. So when the Samaritans came uh, to him, they asked him to stay with them right? Like they urgently, they're asking and asking and asking this word means. They're, come on, please, will you stay with us? We just heard about you. Stay with us for a little bit. So he, he, he stays. It says he stayed there two days. Verse 41, and many more believed because of his word. They said to the woman, it's no longer because of what you said that we believe, for we have heard for ourselves, and we know that this is indeed the Savior of the world. So that morning, those people, they, they didn't believe, they didn't know, and, and, and by the end of their couple of days with him, they, they come to proclaim that Jesus is the Savior of the world, and believe this is this, this title for, for Jesus is only used twice, both times in, in John. Well, Jesus, this is, our, this is our shared truth. Jesus calls his disciples to join him in reaping the harvest for eternal life. 
through faith in him as the, the savior of the world. He, he calls his followers, his people, to be a part of this harvest. The people are going to, through faith, be saved. He, you and I are called to be a part of, of that. And we, and we see with, with, with this woman here, she goes, she, she tells some, they believe, right? Then, then they go, and, and others must have come to eventually to hear Jesus, and, and then even more believe. There are these concentric rings going here of, of belief of people entering into the kingdom of God. So how do we respond? How do we respond to, to this account, to what John lays out for us here? Because we don't ever want to be people that hear a good Bible story and then walk away completely unchanged. Right? James talks about that, that, that we're, we're not supposed to be like the guy that goes to the mirror, looks at himself, turns away and then forgets. He says we're, we're to be doers of God's word, not, not just hearers. Like we're, we're to be responsive to God's word. So I have a, a few different questions for you to think through, and some might totally connect with where you are, some might not. So the first is, do you hunger for people to come to know Jesus, to, to trust Jesus as their Savior? Right? Do, do you hunger for that? And I think if we take an audit of our lives, we'll, we'll be able to see if our actions really reflect that. If you look at how you spend your time, you'll see if there's a hunger in you for people to come to know Jesus. If, if we look at how we spend the money that we have, is there money that, that's somehow invested in the gospel moving forward, right? Like maybe there's missionaries you support, or Young Life, or different organizations that are, that are helping people hear the gospel. What do you daydream about? Right? Like maybe you daydream about about a vacation or retirement or, 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 or your next adventure that, that you want to have or, or maybe you daydream about stuff at work or whatever but do your, do your thoughts do you ever just wander into thinking about man this guy needs Jesus that I know or man my, my uncle like, doesn't know Jesus yet like I've gotta Lord I need you I need, you, I need your help like does your mind go there throughout your day your prayer life will reflect that. Right? Do you have people that you're regularly praying for that, that do not yet trust Jesus? So as we audit our lives, I think it becomes clear if we actually hunger for that or not. So that's one question. The, the next question is, you, you hear that, and, and if you realize you don't hunger for that, are you, are you numb to that or apathetic? Are you convicted by that? Or do you just feel bad about it? And all three of those need, need our hearts to be changed, right? Whether we're, whether we're numb, convicted, or, or we just feel bad. And by feel bad, I mean you just, you just kind of feel guilty, right? But, but really, uh, that's about you. <laughs> it's not about Jesus. It's not about other people coming to know. It's, it's, it's you just feel bad. And, and can God use that motivation to save people? Yeah, Paul makes that clear. Right? The, the, the gospel would be preached out of false motives plenty of times, and, and there would be people that respond, but man, we still need Jesus to change our heart. He did, he, he worked on the hearts of the disciples. And I said this a couple weeks ago. I, it's not the primary reason he sent them to get food at all. His primary reason was to talk with this woman, but, but I think he sent them there to this to the Samaritans. So they had to deal with their heart issue towards these people that, that they despised, that, that they'd been 
grown up to, to hate. They, they had to deal with that. And even them being there another two days, I, I can't help but think Jesus was using that to work in their hearts. So we need, we need Jesus to work on our hearts. Like if we don't hunger, where are you in that? Are, are you apathetic? Are you convicted? Or, or you just feel bad? We need Jesus, Jesus to purify our hearts. And again, prayer is the key. Right? We've we, we got to come to him and ask him, Lord, I see this. I don't even know if I really want to be this way. I don't know if I really want you to change me. God, will you do it? Like, will you do that within me? Pastor Gary last week asked such a good question that I want to ask again. He said, who in your life is God seeking through you? Right? Who in your life is the Lord seeking? Right? Trying to bring into the kingdom, wanting to give them belief. Who is God seeking through you? And are you, are you praying for them? Are you praying about that? Are you praying for boldness and opportunities? Or are you ready to share again? Grab, grab one of these tracks, right? So, so you feel like, okay, I know enough. I can, I can share. Uh, let's not forget the power of God's word. I stumbled upon this verse this week. I love it. Jeremiah 23, 29 says, Is not my word like fire, declares the Lord, like a hammer that breaks the rock in pieces? God's word is powerful. You look at, at whoever in your life, you're like, man, their heart is so hard towards God. God's more powerful than that. He, he wants to replace that heart of stone with the heart of flesh. Last, last question I have for you is, is, is your faith actually your own? Or is it based on someone else's faith? And, and we, we see, to some degree in the story here, we see that some people believe because of the woman's testimony. And that's, and that's a, it's a good thing. But then those people come to encounter Jesus themselves, right? It's not just based on her testimony, but they heard Jesus' words, and it says they believe. So the first group of people I think about is students. Like, do you, do you is your faith your own? Right? If, if you have believing parents, that is such a gift. It is such a gift that, that God has given you parents that know and trust Jesus. They're talking to you about Jesus, but your faith has to become your own someday. I pray this for my kids all the time. Like, obviously, they hear about Jesus in our house a lot. Right? But I, I pray that someday my kids will have their own faith. It's not just based on my faith, my wife's faith, but they'll trust in Jesus themselves. Or maybe, maybe you're not a student and, and you still need to ask yourself that question. Maybe you come to church with a friend or a family member. Maybe it's your spouse. But you're just coming because they want you here. You're not coming because of Christ. And I just ask you, do you want a faith? Do you want a faith of your own? I'm going to pray here in a moment. We're going to have our prayer team in, in, the, in the back there. We'll, we'll open up the doors, and, and there are going to be people that are there to pray for you. And, and we move the people to the back so that hopefully it's not as intimidating for you if you want to be prayed for. If you get up, people are going to think you're going to get coffee or water or something. It's fine. Um, but go back there if you want prayer. And, and here's some of the things that I've been thinking through this week that, that maybe you'd want prayer for. The first is if you want to trust in Jesus, but there's something holding you back, Go, go ask someone to pray for you. Maybe you know what that thing is that's holding you back. Maybe you don't have a clue. You just know there's something in the way. Go, go ask for people to pray for you. If you need Jesus to change your heart for the lost, whether you're numb, you're convicted, you feel bad, or maybe some other category I couldn't think of. If you need Jesus to change your heart, go, go get prayer. 
if you recognize that, that you say you believe in Jesus, but really you haven't been following Jesus, man, now's the time to confess that. Your prayer, if you, last one is if you have someone on your heart that you're just burdened for, right? You, you know they need Jesus. Man, go, go pray with someone. And you can even just pray with the people you're right next to. It's not like you have to go to the back to get prayer, but, but let's, let's respond. Let, let's come to the Lord in prayer. We're gonna um, we're gonna take communion um, as this next song is uh, played. Um, we sing this song. You can come up and, and get the elements. Take them back to your seat, um, and then after we all have them, we're gonna celebrate the Lord's Supper together. We're gonna remember together. We're gonna we're gonna look to the future when when one day we'll, we'll take this meal with Jesus. Let's pray, God. We thank you for your word, Lord. I thank you that that I get to do this each week. I just get to sit and, and, and sit in your word and, and see, see what you have, Lord. Holy Spirit, thank you. Thank you for, for using John to give us this gospel. I read this thing a, a ton, and, and I feel like I'm reading it for the first time in so many ways as we've been going through it. Lord, we thank you that your word is powerful and effective. We thank you that it's living and, and active, Lord. That you, Holy Spirit, you use the word to penetrate our hearts. And God, we just, we don't want to leave this place the same as we walked in here today. God, it just, it just feels like that'd be such a waste, Lord. Would, would we, would our hearts be receptive to you? Would we be responsive to you, God? Would you give us a boldness, Lord? Would we just be a people that, that just, we just talk about you? We're just so ready to talk about you. Lord, will we not be afraid of making mistakes and telling people about you? We'll do that. I'm sure we'll do that. Lord, will we, will we just be bold? Would we have such a longing for people to respond to you that even when people reject you, it doesn't just shut us down and kill us? But we just, we're just going to keep going. How would you do that in us? And Lord, if there's anybody here that hasn't responded to you, how would you keep stirring their heart? Lord, we give them the courage to believe in you. Will you give them faith, Lord? Would you do that in their hearts? It's in your name we pray. Amen.